Welcome to the Beauty and Battle podcast, where we talk about winning in marriage by waging a war. I'm Jason Benham. I've got my girlfriend slash wife, Tori Benham, with me, and we are here to talk to you about how Satan tries to get you to fight face-to-face with your spouse, but God designed you to fight shoulder-to-shoulder against Satan so that you can win in your marriage. Fighting together draws you together. We cannot wait to jump in. So here we go. So today we're talking about the four pillars of a strong marriage. I say the four pillars. I mean, there's lots of things. I wouldn't say the yeah. four pillars. Yeah, let's just say four pillars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I love um, coming up with different things like this. And as Tori and I are reading books and all sorts of stuff, um, you know that we've done a few podcasts talking about uh, the full brain, You right. know how we typically lean toward the left side of the brain, which is logical thinking but the right side of the brain, which is relational and emotional, the four pillars of right side brain thinking is, and right, I should say right brain thinking, are these four things that we're going to talk about today. But what Tori and I are going to do is we're going to show those and and look at uh, applying those inside of the context of a marriage relationship. Yes. Does that sound fun? It does sound fun. Now, typically right now, I'm stopping and I'm playing a song. But I'm not going to do that today. Not today. I am actually going to play a song. Switching it up a little bit. I'm not playing a song. Tori's going to play one, but it's going to come a little bit later. And, and you'll see why momentarily. <laughs> <laughs> that is such good build up, Tor. Mm, wait for it. Wait, wait for, for it. it. Wait for it. Okay. Um, so let's just, let's dive in and just think about this. Um, let's look at these four pillars, mm-hmm. what they are, and we're going to dive into each of them. Okay. Here are the four pillars. And this comes from the book, um, The Other Half of Church. And it's talking about the science between behind right side brain thinking and how typically we focus on the left brain, which is just thinking, right. but we need to really focus in on the right brain, which is the relational emotional component. And the right brain is built on four key components, joy, covenant love, group identity, and healthy correction. That's joy. We're going to define each of these. Joy covenant love, group identity, healthy correction. Those are the four pillars. Now, when we look at each of these, we need to apply all of these into our own marriages. Mm. Okay, so let's just start with joy. The way that the authors describe joy in the book um, is joy is what you feel when your brain senses that someone is happy to be with you. Right? Don't you just love that? Mm -hmm. Joy is what you feel when your brain senses that someone's happy to be with you. It starts even when uh, it, when a baby, it's just a, yeah. an infant baby. You go up to a baby and you start making faces at them and start smiling and start talking mm-hmm. and cooing and that kind of stuff. Next thing you know, what happens? The baby's eyes light up. Exactly. Because their little brain, the right side of their brain, is just completely on fire at that moment in a good way. Right. Because our brains can't function apart from joy. So our right brain scans our surroundings looking for joy and joy is primarily transmitted through the face which is just so cool because that to me like what you're just saying with a child you see it instantly in a baby yeah that when you just look at them and you smile i mean i could be in an airport and look at any child and i mean sometimes if they're they're like scared of you they might like kind of yeah. you know yeah but for the most part most babies when you look at them and smile, their 
eyes light up, they smile big, and mm-hmm. they're just like, there's just this visceral response yeah. in their little bodies to your face, yeah. to your, um, you reaching out with that, you know, with that expression. And, yeah. and you don't have to say anything. You're just smiling at them and they respond. It's right through their face. Mm-hmm. It's the sparkle in the eye. You know, and joy is relational. It can't exist outside of a relationship with God and with others. Mm, it's so true. So good. I love it. What I think of when I think of this, when I think of joy and I think of it being transmitted through the face, yeah. I immediately think of number six, 24 through 26, that says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon mm-hmm. you and give you peace. I yeah. think of that verse because when we feel the joy of the Lord over our lives, when we allow his face to shine upon us for his um, countenance to lift us up. Yeah. Um, I just remember my grandfather, I grew up in um, a small town in Connecticut where my grandfather was the pastor and he often spoke um, every Sunday, pretty much, you know, after his message, he would speak this over the congregation. And I just remember at his retirement, he did it like kind of like for the last time and everyone was in tears because that was the blessing that he always wanted to, to leave his people, his congregation was, were these words like the blessing. And this is, um, Carrie Job and is it Cody? Cody. I don't know. Somebody, Cody, somebody. Yeah. Um, he, he, they wrote this song, the blessing. Yeah. And it's just such a beautiful song. Um, and I love it because it just reminds me of pa, you know, always leaving us with this blessing and like the, the thought of God himself smiling over us. That's yeah. what joy is. When you feel his presence, you feel his joy and his face shining upon you. There, There's no joy like that. There's no peace mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And um, which brings us to our song because my brother Nate and his beautiful wife, Sarabi, um, got married. How many years ago did they get married? That was I don't know, five years five ago years or so. Five years ago maybe. And Sarabi is, um, her family's from Mexico. Yeah. And so she walked down the aisle to the blessing in Spanish. Yeah, it was really and cool. And it was the most touching moment. Couldn't couldn't understand a single word, but you felt, you felt it. it. Yes, you felt the blessing. It was really good. And um, yeah, it was just so beautiful in, in Spanish. And all of us were like, oh my goodness, it was even more beautiful when you can't, can't even understand the words. Like, but you, you just, just it. knew it. It was there. So anyways, I wanted I want to play a little blurb okay. of the blessing in Spanish. It's so beautiful. All right. That's really good. Like you really do feel something. Yeah, it's it's so powerful. It really was. And the beauty of that is that that scripture and what that song was based on was that scripture, may the Lord's face shine upon you. Now, how do we apply that in marriage? Well, one, you need to recognize that God's face is shining on you. Hmm. It's the sparkle in his eye. When he looks at you, God is is your father. Hmm. He's also your father-in-law. So he's giving your spouse that same sparkle. And what God wants to do is he wants to love 
people through us. So think about your spouse. God wants to show your spouse his love. And how does he primarily do it? Through the sparkle in your eye. Mm. That's why it's so incredibly important that when you see each other and you you, you come home from work or whatever, like have a sparkle in your yeah, eye. So true. See your kids and just look at them and just in the same way that your dog, like mm-hmm. honestly, you can learn so much from dogs. If you've ever spent time with us coming in for counseling, coaching, or one of our marriage intensives, you know, our dog, Rocky, he's going to have a sparkle in his eye when he sees yeah, us. For sure. You know, he's, he's going to be growling at you when he first sees you. But trust me, by the time you leave, you're going to love Rocky. Will, will turn to a sparkle. Yeah. But you just think about that, that our dogs, by and large part, mm-hmm. the, the minute you come home, there's a sparkle in their eye. And that's why our hearts gravitate towards our dogs. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to do the same thing with each other. Yeah. That when we see each other, it's like, oh, hey, honey. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, obviously you can't always be like crazy excited. Sometimes it's stressful or whatever. But if you recognize that you're maybe not getting each other's full attention or that the presence doesn't feel quite there, sometimes it's because there's no sparkle in your eye. Mm. There's nothing that's drawing your spouse to you. Yeah. So that's where joy comes in. The sparkle in your eye. It's so true. And I think sometimes we just have to kind of pause a little bit and think about what is what is stopping that joy in your eyes. Is yeah. there just stress? Is it just your mind being on other things or you're exhausted or whatever it is? What is keeping you from when you when you see your spouse for there being that sparkle? And for most of us, it's, you know, probably stress or mm-hmm. and so it just takes some time to like, OK, you know, what, how can we, we have some coaching clients that we, we talk to about just taking time before you walk in the door after work to, you know, to kind of to shut off what you're thinking yeah. about at work. Maybe take five, yeah. 10 minutes before you walk in the door to where you're like, you're kind of dropping work off yeah. before you walk in. That's right? good. Because what what is it that's keeping your eyes from sparkling? What is it that's keeping that joy from being shown? And you can you have agency. You have you have the ability to do something about it. Yeah. So that's that is pillar number one: joy. You want a healthy marriage? You want a strong marriage? Joy. It's the sparkle in your eye. So get that joy back. Okay, that's number one. Number two: covenant love. What is this? That's familial love. Or as the scripture would say, it's brotherly love. Brotherly love is that nothing is going to hinder what I feel about you. Mm-hmm. You know, like like seriously, think about your brother or your sister or whatever. You know them completely, right. and yet you accept them fully. Yeah. That's what intimacy is, to be fully known and fully accepted. Now, we did a podcast on that. I think it was just last week we did that, mm-hmm. where we talked about acceptance and we talked about intimacy and the three keys that you need to be accepting of your spouse, like accept them just like they are. Don't try to change them. Uh, receive acceptance from your spouse that when they, they're they going to love you, let them pour their love out on you. And number three, be acceptable to your spouse. So if there's something about you that you don't like, you're maybe self-conscious about, and you can change it, then change it. Mm-hmm. But if there's something about you that you don't necessarily like, you feel self-conscious about, and you can't change it, learn to accept it. Right. So we've got to recognize covenant love is that familial love where you fully know each other and fully accept each other. And that is the second pillar. Yeah. Um, I I read this quote by Elizabeth Elliott and I wanted to share it because I think it helps. It helps me to understand covenant love better. She says, there is no perfect life, no perfect job, no perfect childhood, no perfect marriage, and no perfect set of people who will always do what we expect them to do. What we have is a perfect God who is able to lead us through this imperfect life and with unfailing strength 
incomparable wisdom and infinite love. Mm. We love because he first loved us. We don't have a perfect life. We don't have a perfect marriage. We don't have perfect children. We don't have, you know, people who do what we expect of him, Mm -hmm. of us, expect them to do. Yeah. (laughs) Right. This is, we don't live in a perfect world. Things are rough. Sometimes things are hard. Life is stressful, but we have a perfect God who can lead us um, with his unfailing strength. And that to me is what covenant is love. Love is, it's loving because he first loved us. Yeah, that's good. Right. And so I think it's just so important for us to really like, to really ex- receive the love that Christ has for us mm-hmm. because it's only out of that. Can we truly love our spouse in, yeah. the, in with covenant love? Yeah. And that's what covenant love is. It, it means that through the junk right. that you're going to experience, you're not going to let that affect the way that you feel. Okay, that's good. Okay, so that's that's the second pillar, covenant love. And the third pillar is group identity. And what the authors in the book mean by group identity is they define it as the corporate map of who you are and how you act as a child of God. Now, what a lot of people don't understand, and of course I didn't either, is back in the Bible days and in Eastern cultures, people didn't have like this individual identity. Mm. You know, you knew who you were as a person, but by and large, you you lived in a community of people with your family. And whoever you came from, whoever your parents were and your grandparents were, you had an identity that you had to live up to. So everybody understood, you know, for Tori, as, a, as an Italian in Torrington, Connecticut, she grew up as a cantador. And if you went and said, hey, I'm a Canador in Torrington, Connecticut, everybody's going, oh, Frankie, I know Frank, you know, that's great. Mm-hmm. And Frank's a pastor, you know, he's very outgoing. He's very, you know, he's got character and all this kind of stuff. So they would expect Tori to act in alignment with that identity, mm-hmm. right? Now we have an identity as being Bible Bible people. We have an identity as being Christians. Like we have a responsibility to live up to that identity. Mm-hmm. So in marriage, you need to have uh, an identity mm-hmm. like at who are you as a couple like how are you known yeah you need to have that identity you need to agree on it i remember when tori and i first got married we thought you know what one day when we uh have our own family and everything we want to really be known for being generous you know so that was just one of the things that we wanted to be known for mm-hmm. and so lord willing we've done a decent job of that so that one day our kids will want to be the exact same thing right and and so having that Group identity is really important, but it doesn't just stop there with how you want to be known and your own group identity. It's also the group of people that you hang out with. Mm. It's like, who are your people? What are the character qualities of the people that are your people? Yeah. And when you're acting out of line with your people, that's mm-hmm. where our fourth pillar comes in. We'll talk about that in just a second. But who are your people? Because being in community is really important. Yeah. And also, you know, our spouses cannot fulfill the needs that a community can fill. And so this is why group identity is so important because it's a community. It's not just me and you. It's a whole community. So we have, you know, who we want to be and who we want to be known for. But we also are in community with people who have expectations on us, who expect things out of us that help keep us accountable to who we want to be. And um, and so and, and also, you know, you cannot fulfill every emotional and you know social need that yeah. I have, and I'm not going to fulfill that in you. Like we have to be in community with people because yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, they fulfill a need. They fulfill needs in us that are meant to be fulfilled through a community. Yeah, sometimes 
you know, Tor, you just need, you need a good girlfriend to talk right. to. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it's like, I can't just be that. Right. You know, and Tori and I, we, we know folks that, that have, that have completely just, they find their total identity in each other. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is if one of you is gone or God forbid one of you dies, then you, you cease to exist. Right. Right. Cause your, your person's gone. And I get there to a point that we understand that, but you've got to have outside relationships. Yeah, it's so important. And, you know, as I was studying the Enneagram instinctual subtypes came up and it's three basic instincts that we all have. It's self-preservation, social, and one-to-one. And basically the idea is that we all have these three uh, basic instincts and oftentimes we might have one that's, that is overused or too dominant. Uh-huh. And so this is exactly what you're talking about. When you're one-to-one, which is when you have that very strong instinct for one person, for one you know person to feel very connected to, and they kind of meet a lot of those social needs in you just through that one person, that can be unhealthy. Yeah. Right. Like that. Yes. You should have this. You do. You're going to have this instinct and you're going to have this longing for that one person. But it has to be balanced out by your that social instinct and that Mm. self-preservation instinct. But if one if that one to one is super dominant and all that you do is kind of rely on one person or you have that best, best friend who is like everything to you. And then that carries on into your marriage and you just rely so heavily emotionally on one person that could be really unhealthy. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly right. So that's the third pillar is group identity. Who are you as a couple? Okay. So the first pillar is joy. You guys need to have a sparkle in your eye for each other. Okay. And your kids. Okay. So it's joy. Then it's covenant love. It's like unconditional acceptance for each other. Number three, group identity. Who are you as a couple? You guys need to have, have that, that reputation, that identity. And number four is healthy correction. Because when you fail to live up to the identity that you have as a group, as a family, okay, then somebody's got to be able to bring you back in line yeah. with who you are and bring you back in line to your true self. Yes. That's where healthy correction comes in. Mm. Look, you know, narcissism is a massive problem today where people just spin out of control, typically starts as self-consciousness, and then you fall in love with yourself. There's two different ways that you can go for self-consciousness. One is down the path of depression. The other is down the path of pride. Mm. So just the best is not to be self-conscious at all. Mm -hmm. It's to simply give yourself away for your family and for each other. But we don't want to lead down that path of pride. And so when you need correction, when you've stepped out of line, you need your spouse has to be able to pull you back in line into your group identity. Hey, this isn't you. Mm-hmm. This isn't who we are as a family. Yeah. Come on, you can't talk like that. You can't act like that. Now, I love you unconditionally, and I'm really excited to be your wife, or I'm really excited to be your husband, but this isn't how we act. I would prefer you to do this. So there's two keys about this. Number one, you need to be open to receiving feedback from your spouse. You need to be open to correction. And that's a hard thing. Do you know what modern psychiatry calls someone who is not willing to receive feedback? What? They have a character disorder. Mm -hmm. So you have to be open to your spouse saying, hey, honey, don't say that. Don't do that without you flipping out. Yeah. You know, you got to be able to do that. So number one is being open to receive feedback from your your spouse. And number two is being willing to give feedback to your spouse. So if, if one of you is, if both of you are open to receiving feedback, then both of you should be open to giving feedback. That's 
Right and when there. I say feedback, I'm not just talking about criticism, c- continually criticizing and complaining all the time or anything like that. I'm talking about recognizing that when something is said or done that doesn't line up with who your spouse is, that you can tell your spouse about it. Mm. Now, of course, there's right timing for that. You can't forget the two rules, five to one and 20 to one, is that the five to one rule, in order to keep relationship equilibrium for every uh, one negative interaction, you need five positive interactions. Mm. And if you want your, your marriage to move forward for every one negative interaction, you need 20, 20. positive interactions. Wow. So you can't just be correcting your spouse all the time yeah. is basically what I'm saying. Yep. Don't be that person. And you got to pick the right times and all that kind of stuff. So true. Um, one of the, my favorite quotes, your dad used to always quote this, and I've always loved it, by C.S. Lewis. A friend is someone who knows the song in your heart and can sing the words back to you when you have forgotten the words. Yeah. Yeah. So when I think of healthy correction, I think of that friend, that friend yeah. who knows who you are. He knows the song in your heart, mm-hmm. and he can sing it back to you. Um, and I think about in Judges, we've talked about this before, um, Gideon. Oh, yeah. The story of Gideon and yeah. how he wasn't the most uh Yeah, he was brave. fearful. He's a wuss. <laughs> he was pretty much a wuss. And then the angel of the Lord came to him and he and said, um, Greetings, oh, valiant greet, warrior. Yeah. Greetings, oh, valiant warrior. And I just, I love that. I think that is so, such a powerful, when it comes to healthy correction, call out what, yeah. call out in your spouse who they really are, even if they're not acting like it. Yeah, right? that's right. We get out what we speak in. Yeah. And so, um, you know, when, you're, when we're talking about this five to one and 20 to one, I think sometimes we're like, well, man, like, how am I going to say this? How am I going to call this? How am I going to yeah. tell my spouse, you know, they made, they did this wrong or they, you know, whatever it is that you see, well, maybe you just need to speak in what you want. Yeah. what you want out. Maybe you need to call out the the valiant warrior in them, even if they're not acting like it. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I think that it's just one of those things where it is, it is tricky in, in marriage, right? There, there are times where, where I know that, yeah, I can just get really negative in my head and just start yeah. thinking of all the kind of nitpicking and, and thinking of all the negative things but if I really do, you know, what was modeled here and just call out what I may not even be seeing yeah. in the moment, um, I think God can do really amazing things. And and it's so true to just be open to that type of feedback. If you give your spouse the vibe that they can't tell you that you're being a, a butt, yeah. you know, and it's like, oh my gosh, no, no, I can't correct my husband because... Uh, my gosh, we would never be able to deal with a whirlwind. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. well, come on. Come on, husband. Be open. Mm-hmm. Now, gr- now, granted, there are right times to do it. Right. And so you just do that. But it's that healthy correction is going to keep your spouse in a line with who you guys are as a couple. Yeah. Okay. Which mm-hmm. is your group identity. So there are four pillars. Joy. Keep that sparkle in the eye. Okay. Covenant love which is unconditional acceptance, group identity, your corporate map of who you guys are as a couple, and then healthy correction. When one of you acts out of line, you got to be open to correction. Those four pillars is going to keep you strong, strong, strong uh, as a married couple. So good. I love it. Okay. So this week, um, I'll share a recipe with you guys. It's not even really a recipe. It's so simple. 
Um, but a friend of mine from CrossFit was talking about how she made spaghetti squash um, this week and it just sounded so good. And so I made it this week for dinner and we loved it. Mm. It was so good and it was so, so easy. Like the most simple meal ever. Basically, you're just going to bake, you know, cut spaghetti squash in half. It was so good. Scoop out the seeds and put some um, olive oil and salt on it and cook it for 45 minutes at 400. And then you just, you know, saute some onions and some grass-fed beef or whatever beef that you want to use and put some sauce in it. And that's it. And then you just like take a fork and you fork um, the the spaghetti squash and it looks like angel hair pasta. Yeah. And it's got like this sweetness to it. I mean, we've had it before, but I just hadn't had it in forever. And it was just so easy and it made the best leftovers. And then I also saw like you can, and spaghetti squash is not that expensive either. Like I, I think it was like $2 for a huge spaghetti squash that could fit yeah. feed like four people. Like I wish I had just bought three of those and just had them in the fridge all week because it was so good. It was so good. Um, and there's not nearly as much carbs in that as I thought there was. No, it's really low So carb. I could like murder it. Yeah. And then for sides, um, we tried these Brazilian cheese bread oh, little yeah. bites from Trader Joe's and they're just so easy to yeah. pop. You pop them in the oven for like eight minutes and you have like this yummy. And but you got to eat them fast because they get hard as a rock. <laughs> That's like the Humpty dance. Hard as a rock. Yes, I'm no sucker. Okay. So oh, anyway. wow. okay. Oh. Sorry about that. <laughs> the Humpty dance is a trance. Do the hump. <laughs> Um, and then a side salad, super easy, so delicious. And yeah, we're probably going to be making it once yeah. a week. Yeah. Let's do that again. Okay. I'm digging. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us. Four pillars of strong marriage, joy, covenant, love, group identity, healthy correction, apply it, grow stronger as a result. If you haven't taken our free five day marriage challenge, go to beautyandbattle.com. If you have not gotten our new book, our newest one, our Marriage A to Z, 30 Principles for Relational Transformation. Go jump on it, man. What are you waiting on? Jeez. <laughs> and if you've already bought it and you're in the middle of reading it, go on Amazon and give us some reviews. Oh, yeah. Okay, Tori and I are not like these digital marketers that are like doing all this stuff. We're just like, hey, you want the book? Go get it. If you like it, leave us a review. So I don't have any cutesy ways of getting myself like a thousand reviews like so many others do. But, but you well, can. You can. Just come on. You know what I'm saying? Thumbs up. hey okay that was fun thanks for the thanks for the recipe too yeah i'll I'll post that on jason tour you can see how i did it please do all right guys see you next week we'll see you soon peace Uh, uh,